Hello, and welcome to the Queen's Observatory Fast Radio Bursts. I am Connor Stone, here with my co-host, Nikhil Aurora. It is our mission to bring exciting space news hot off the telescope and into your ears. One way or another, the Queen's Observatory has continued its practice of sharing the wonders of the universe since 1857. Thank you for joining us in this long-running tradition. Here at Fast Radio Bursts, we will answer your questions, interview astronomers, and dive deep into breaking research. From low Earth orbit to the clouds of Venus, from Betelgeuse to colliding black holes, it's a big universe to talk about, so let's get started. And welcome back. I'm Connor Stone, here with Nikhil Aurora. Hi, Connor. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm getting excited for all of the things that we have in store today. Yeah, February 18th, when Perseverance is going to land on Mars, is coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's listening, make sure not to miss our live stream landing party. You can check out Facebook for more details. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. A little nerve-wracking. Well, you're the host. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, but it's also landing something on a different planet. That's ought to be nerve-wracking, I would assume. A few few people won't be breathing for about half an hour. (laughs) Yep. All right. So in preparation for that, today we have uh, part two of our first ultra-fast radio burst series, where we're uh, doing multi-part episodes so that we can really dive deep into some interesting topics in astronomy. In the last episode, we discussed some of the first rovers that humans sent to Mars. And today, we're going to talk about spirit, opportunity, and curiosity. Some of the more modern rovers that we've sent to Mars that have really had quite an incredible uh, science mission. Next week, we'll dive deep into Perseverance itself, so that Uh, Just in time for the landing, you can all be experts in the new rover. Yeah, there will be no need for a host. Everybody will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So today, we're going to talk about spirit, opportunity, and curiosity. Let's start with spirit and opportunity, because they were sort of a twin mission to Mars. Mm -hmm. Nick, could you describe for us a little bit about spirit and opportunity, the rovers? Yeah, um, Spirit Opportunity were sort of a beginning of a new era for NASA um, in Mars exploration. NASA around that time, so both Spirit and Opportunity were landed, uh, launched in the year 2003, landed in Mars around for 2004. Um, NASA began a new series of missions going to Mars called the Mars Exploration Series. And so Spirit and Curiosity Opportunity um, were the first two twin brothers, twin siblings rather, um, going to Mars to study Mars. Curiosity was also a part of the same series, and then so is Perseverance going to be a fourth addition to this series. Yeah, so they were identical siblings, about the size of a golf cart. Both of them ran using solar um, energy, so they had solar panels on them. Um, Both of the missions have now ended, Spirit ended in around 2010. An opportunity ended just about a couple of years ago in 2019. Um, now, in the first part, we all also mentioned that the, the sort of the theme going along with the uh, planned mission time versus how much time these missions actually happen is going to be either zero or more than planned. 
both Spirit and Opportunity were planned for about 90 days. And you can imagine going Spirit going for six years and Opportunity going for 15 years kind of exceeded that 90-day <laughs> planned mission. Yeah, they lasted so long that the engineers sort of got to test out all sorts of really interesting ideas and fun ideas. For example, with Opportunity, they were able to use some of the instruments on the rover to play Happy Birthday for Opportunity. (laughs) Wow, I did not know that. That's cool. So yeah, Opportunity on Mars all on its own, saying itself Happy Birthday. (laughs) Pretty amazing. Maybe a little bit sad. Yeah, it kind of feels a little lonely, but yeah, that's... It's, it's a feat in, in human engineering, to say the least, yeah, being able to do that in Mars. So I understand that Spirit and Opportunity had sort of uh, exciting landing. Could you describe a little bit how they actually got to the surface of Mars? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think this is very similar to what we talked about in part one with Sojourner's landing. And that is, once they entered the, the Martian atmosphere, airbags just surrounded the landing craft completely and then these these big airbags and both of these airbags just were there until the contact onto the surface was made and they just bounced on the surface for a while until things became stable when the airbags deflated and the landing craft just opened up to let spirit and opportunity roam about on mars i think it's a very violent landing if i can say that it's that's the word that's coming into my mind right now. A lot can go wrong with this. Um, but yeah, this is one way to do a landing on another planet. Certainly that's not how we're going to want to put people on the planet. <laughs> Hopefully not. Another cool thing about Opportunity is in its 15-year career, it was able to travel on Mars the distance that we run here in a marathon. So it traveled 42 kilometers um, and broke essentially a record for the long- longest extraterrestrial travel done by any rower slash uh, mission. So yeah, it ran a half marathon. Took it 15 years, but still ran it. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of the brief overview of um, Spirit and Curie Opportunity. I will keep doing this throughout the whole episode because the names are so similar. But we're right now talking about Spirit and Opportunity. Um, and as I pointed out, um, this was a beginning of a new series for Mars Exploration from NASA. And through Spirit Opportunity, then later on through Curiosity, and now in the future going to Perseverance, uh, NASA wants to answer four questions um, through these missions. First is determine whether there was life on Mars, or is there life on Mars? And if it ever arose, how did it um, come up on Mars? Characterize the climate of Mars. And we will see that Curiosity actually made a pretty big breakthrough in that when it comes to the climate of Mars. Not that uh, Spirit and Opportunity did not do that. Um, Characterize the geology of Mars to study rocks and formation of rocks in Mars. But I think fourth being the most important is to prepare a way for human exploration. So study sort of just a travel process to Mars and then roaming around on Mars, being able to gather data so that we can recognize and analyze whether it be safe, how we can make it safe for human exploration, hopefully in the near future. I think that's going to be a good day. (laughs) It's very exciting. And certainly Mars is a challenging target, but a a worthy goal for human exploration. Yep. 
So, those so are what were some four. of the scientific instruments that Spirit and Opportunity yeah. carried with them? So as I pointed out, both Spirit and Opportunity were um, identical missions. They were siblings, um, and they both carried the same amount of instruments. And just a sort of brief overview of that would be they had a camera sort of to just understand what kind of geological context they were in. Uh, Spirit and Opportunity Spirit and Opportunity both landed in different parts of Mars, um, both which were which had been previously studied and showed some evidence of water or sort of either there was water or flowing water there in, in the way sort of the chemistry of the soil worked there. So they had a camera attached to them to sort of give them a geological uh, context. This was a regular camera, I would say. So just like you and I pick up our phone and take panoramic shots, that's essentially the camera that Boat Spirit and Opportunity had. Um, there was also an infrared camera on Spirit and Opportunity, and that was to study the composition of rocks. Um, turns out if you can look at rocks in infrared, you can understand what they're made of because just like us having fingerprints, each chemical has a kind of a fingerprint which can be seen in different kinds of light going from UE to infrared to visible light, even microwave. Um, now, this is an interesting part, and maybe it'll take a couple minutes to explain this. Um, both Spirit and Opportunity had something called a spectrometer. Um, a spectrometer is <clears throat> a particular kind of instrument. Just think of it like a prism. Um, when you take a prism and shine light through it, rainbow comes out on the other side. That's essentially what a spectrometer is. It has a glass kind of material which shines light on it, and then sort of a rainbow comes back. But before that can happen, you place a sample, any kind of sample in between. And so what happens is that sample interacts with light and gives a special kind of rainbow. And you can study that rainbow to understand the composition of the sample that you have put in. And both uh, Spirit and Opportunity had a spectrometer to study the iron content in rocks. Um, this again, going back to the fact that Mars was red. And so clearly we had thought that there was enough iron. So to study basically iron barren rocks. Um, and finally, I would say they had a microscope to really in fine detail study the soil and formation of rocks to understand how these rocks were forming. Yeah. And the hope with these instruments was to find signatures of life in among yeah. all the different images that they were taking or yeah. uh, spectra. So maybe we should talk about some of the science results that they were able to achieve with those instruments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think the way it's going to go is <coughs> where as soon as opportunity hit the ground and started running, it found what is a mineral, a specific mineral. It's called hematite. Um, the reason why hematite is very interesting um, is because it seems to form inside water. It's a kind of rock which is very magnetic. It's found on Earth, but on Earth, it seems to form in water. And so if... It is the same process on Mars. You have it straight away, like right on the home plate, so to say. Opportunity found evidence of water. Um, and water, we know, is very important for life. However, further analysis of opportunity, the, the area where opportunity landed, um, 
which was called Columbia Hills, if I'm not uh, mistaken. So Mars, as I have told, as I've said, as we have said in the previous episode, has been mapped. And so nearly all craters and mountains and hills on Mars have been named. And the place where Spirit landed was called the Gusav Crater. And where Opportunity went was called the Columbia Hills, if I'm not wrong. Anyways, um, so the place where Opportunity landed, it analyzed some of the soil there as well and found that the soil, if there was water there, the water was fairly acidic. Um, now, as we know from our day-to-day life, when we drink water, we don't really drink acidic water. So acidic water kind of makes the life to survive a much harder topic. But at least there was water. Now, now as we said, <clears throat> that spirit landed on a different part. And so spirit found chemicals. The place, the Gusev crater, where spirit landed, um, it found chemicals like magnesium and iron carbonates and rocks, which sort of showed, which sort of indicate the idea that Mars had a warm and a wet history with a really, uh, and where spirit was, the water must have been neutral, which is a great thing because you need warm, neutral water to make life. These are big evidences towards um, the fact that there might have been life on Mars at one point in time. Um, Spirit also roamed around enough to find volcanic evidence. So um, it was able to find clay soil that would essentially show that would have been formed um, near hot springs, which generally happen near volcanoes. So that was very interesting as well. And what I find exciting about the two different rovers finding different uh, chemistries for water and different um, areas like volcanic um, clays, I I think it's really interesting that shows that Mars, kind of like Earth, had such a varied climate from place to place. There was a lot of geologic complexity there, a lot of opportunities for little grooves to have just the right conditions for life, maybe. There's there's clearly a lot going on in Mars past Mars's yeah. past. Yeah, um, as we will see going on through this podcast, uh, this particular episode, and moving on to the next one, astrobiology as a field is going to start becoming very booming um, on Mars. So yeah, these these were sort of the groundbreaking, foundation laying experiments that Spirit and Curiosity did. And finally, sort of to answer the final question, which Uh, was whether Mars is okay or how can we make Mars suitable for human exploration opportunity because it lasted longer than spirit, studied um, sort of wind patterns um, and the atmosphere content of Mars to actually give us some hints as to how it would be suitable for humans. So those are some of the bigger highlights of what spirit and curiosity, spirit and opportunity did over their 15-year lifespan. Perhaps one of the uh, concerning things that opportunity was certainly inflicted by is these planet-wide dust storms that sometimes appear on Mars that can last for a very long time. In in fact, ultimately, that's what stopped opportunity. There was a dust storm that blocked out the sun, and so it couldn't run its solar panels. And the dust storm lasted too long and Opportunity wasn't able to recover from its sleep cycle once the dust storm cleared. So that's something that any future mission to Mars is going to need to be aware of, is that these dust storms can sort of completely block out the sun for months at a time. Yeah. And in that way, 
probably putting solar panels as your main source of energy might not be the best idea. Or You certainly can't yeah. rely on those solar panels always providing energy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll see as we go on to curiosity and then to perseverance, we sort of have adopted a new kind of method to provide them All right. these rovers. So with that teaser, I think we'll go on to our break. And when we come back, we will sate our curiosity. Hello, I am just stopping by to let you know that the Queen's Observatory is always here to answer your space questions. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube by searching for Queen's Observatory and looking for our logo. There will also be links to all of our online channels in the podcast description. We're always happy to talk about the universe, and if you ask a really big question, we just might have to do a podcast about it. Also, don't forget the McDonald Institute, the Royal Astronomical Society, and the Astronomy on Tap programs are all very enthusiastic about bringing the universe down to Earth. Links to these online programs will be available in the podcast description. And with that, let's get back to Mars. And welcome back. So now, Nick, I think I'm a little curious about, <laughs> about how the Curiosity rover worked. So perhaps you should tell us a little bit about how Curiosity built on the legacy from Spirit and Opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So Curiosity um, was sort of designed on the backs or on the shoulders of Spirit and Opportunity. So anything that we saw would go wrong with Curiosity, Spirit and Opportunity was kind of improved in Curiosity. Just a basic idea. It was launched in around November of 2011. It reached Mars in August of 2012, and it is still operating. So last time we mentioned Mars Go, which is a NASA website where you can see where every Mars mission currently active on Mars is. So if you go there, you can actually see what Curiosity is doing right now. Um, yeah, it was one of the largest and to this date, and maybe once Perseverance goes that, until Perseverance makes it there, the most capable rover ever sent to Mars. Um, <clears throat> so that is some of the basic ideas. We also changed a couple more things in Curiosity. We're going to talk about the landing in a second, but you, you mentioned how these big dust storms on Mars can actually just block out the sun for the longest amount of time. And to fix that for Curiosity, this time... Curiosity does not have solar panels, but actually created electricity from a radioactive material. So it had a plutonium sample on board, which it would use for creating, generating electricity and powering all its instruments. That's certainly more reliable than the sun on Mars. And yeah. I guess it's a lesson well learned by NASA that you can't, <laughs> can't always depend on the sun in Mars. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the landing, shall we? All right. Yeah. So things changed, of course. Um, as I previously pointed out, having an airbag landing, which was the case with Sojourner Spirit Opportunity, is a little bit wild and, and maybe things can go wrong. So this time, um, Curiosity, rather, was given its own engines. So it would descend into Mars inside a spacecraft, launch up a parachute, and then slow itself down and then fire, essentially, thrusters that against the motion of going down, stabilize itself, and then just lower the rover 
onto the surface of Mars using cables. The idea of a sky crane seems so much more <laughs> complicated than yeah. airbags. So you got to wonder, um, why was it that they decided they had to use such a complicated landing maneuver in order to get Curiosity on the surface safely? Well, it's, it's because of the fact that there's a lot of randomness involved when you actually have airbags launching and how bouncing goes. There's just so much randomness. You cannot always predict what exactly is going to happen. And so by launching parachutes and giving, it, giving the spacecraft an engine to fight gravity on Mars, you're kind of controlling a lot of things about how safely the landing can take place. Um, we'll talk about this more deeply into Perseverance in the Perseverance episode as well, because this is the same way Perseverance would land, instead of, along with some cooler <laughs> new cross, new steps. Um, but basically, you can now, because of rockets, predict exactly how landing will happen and where it will happen. Whereas with airbags, there's just a little bit more randomness that scientists don't always like as much. Well, yeah, certainly when you're exploring an unknown <laughs> planet, having a little more control over yeah. your your landing procedure seems like a big advantage. Absolutely. So um, next, we should probably describe Curiosity itself. So uh, what did what did this rover look like? How big was it? It was about the size of a van. It had six wheels, um, two cameras ish. It was. It had about the same instruments as um, Spirit and Opportunity. We'll talk about that. But it was bigger and faster than the previous two um, rovers being sent. It was bigger than a golf cart, so about the size of a land. And I can't give you exactly how much distance it, it traveled because the mission is ongoing. So it's still traveling distances. But yeah, it, had, it looked like a WAN. And you can Google Curiosity. And it looks like a human being sitting on a van with a camera. I think it's pretty crazy the idea of using a using a rocket to slowly lower down essentially a large car <laughs> onto the surface. Yes, it is. Um, you you do require a lot of sensors, and you do require um, essentially your your calculations have to be very accurate um, in in this lowering down and. I don't want to spoil it for you because I have prepped the way I have done the prep is to do it much to do it in detail for perseverance because it's more uh, recent and I think it's going to be more exciting because the landing is going to happen. But yes, it is nerve wracking for sure. It's it's accurate, but it is still nerve wracking because things can still go wrong. All right. So Curiosity as the more recent rover since Spirit and Opportunity. It had new instruments and improved instruments. Yeah. So what, what was it that Curiosity could detect now? Right. So um, it had similar things to Spirit and Opportunity, just a little bit upgraded. But I think the biggest thing that happened um, was that it was given an arm, which it could now use to collect material from the Martian surface and bring it on board for analysis. It was called Sample Analysis at Mars. I think that was the biggest upgrade it got um, to study stuff. Apart from that, there were some high-resolution imagers, which is essentially cameras. We talked about spectrometers. Um, they were there as well. But this time, instead of doing 
um, sort of studying light in visible. These were X-ray spectrometers, so they were trying to understand basically different heavy elements on on Mars. There was um, how do I put it? Yes, there was another detector which was studying radiation all the way from the launch of Curiosity, so from Earth then down to Mars. That's going to be very, very important when it comes to the results part, because as you remember from my previous, um, from just a while ago, I said one of the basic questions that these rovers want to answer is how can we prepare human exploration for Mars? And studying how radiation works, both in space and then down on the surface of Mars is very, very important. So as as we mentioned in the last episode, Mars doesn't have the same kind of um, magnetic field as earth so it can't block radiation in the same way so this is a really important element that curiosity was bringing real data for is how much radiation do you experience on the surface of mars and how much effort will be needed in order to keep people safe while they're on the surface absolutely are they going to have to go underground or will we just need to make the walls a little thick on the house (laughs) yeah that's a good point um, it was also able to drill Curiosity into the ground and collect samples from under the ground as well, which was um, a very important thing. So those were some of the kind of instruments that um, Curiosity had. Yeah. All right. So with those instruments, just like Spirit and Opportunity, Curiosity, of course, made some pretty incredible discoveries. So how about you tell us some of the highlights? Absolutely. And I think this is... I think one of the most recent understandings of what we have for Mars. So the first thing that uh, Curiosity found was, like spirit and opportunity, water. But this time it was able to detect how long the water had been there by studying geology and seeing how rounded off the rocks were. Um, and what it found was that wherever to where Curiosity landed, it found that water there could have stayed for over a million years Um So Curiosity, with its experiments, was able to find persistent water on Mars, which, once again, I don't think um, I need to emphasize anymore. It's very important for life. (laughs) Um, The second thing, because Curiosity can actually collect samples and analyze them, it was able to pick up soil, um, and it found that just the right chemistry needed to actually support microbial life. So it was able to find elements like sulfur, nitrogen, carbon, phosphorus, and oxygen, um, which um, which are very important for microbes. And also, these samples also showed um, not much evidence of salt. Once again, this is building up on what uh, Spirit and Opportunity did, and this kind of suggested that not only Mars had not only did Mars have persistent water, it might have had drinkable persistent water, which is that's that's a really important distinction because there's other orbiters that orbit around mars that have discovered that even to this day there are large amounts of water underground on mars but they're very salty they're very briny as they're described so finding evidence that they're at least at some point in mars's past was potentially drinkable water that's that's a pretty big deal Absolutely. And so the rover that, or sorry, the orbiter that you're talking about is called the Mars Express Orbiter. Um, we're not going to be able to 
dive deep into that because there have been so many missions to Mars. I think we'll need a 22-part series if we want to do all of this. But Yeah, this a, is more of a rover series. Yep. It was, it was a joint mission between NASA and the European Space Agency, and it was able to find underground brine water evidence. So, yeah, that's pretty cool as well. Um, another interesting thing that Curiosity found was that there's an active cycle of methane on the Martian surface. Now, methane, as we know, can be created either by living organisms, but also water interacting with rocks, some specific kinds of rocks, such as olivine. Um, but basically what this suggested is that either the high-energy particles from the sun are interacting with the martial soil in such a way that it's that is creating methane, and then the winds on Mars, Mars is actually um, recycling or moving the methane around. Or as we just talked about, there's underwater, underground water, which might have microbes that can also create methane. Um, One would certainly be more exciting than the other, but I guess we have to wait for more information. Yeah. Um, Finally, one of the last things that Curiosity was able to study was, as I talked about, the radiation levels. And so while Curiosity was traveling to Mars, so during her trip, yes, Curiosity has been dubbed her by NASA. So during her trip, Curiosity actually analyzed the levels of radiation that it gets, and it found that the radiation that, if left unshielded, would not be safe for um, human travel, which I guess is not that big of a surprise because you can't just go into space wearing a t-shirt and shorts like it's a beach day. Um, but it was good to get some numbers on it. <laughs> if you ever think you got a bad burn falling asleep on the beach, <laughs> being out in space, there's there's nothing protecting you. So it's, yep. it's like the hottest beach day all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it was also finally, I think the last thing about this radiation thing is it was also able to figure out the sources of radiation um, and compare the levels as well. And it found basically two sources of radiation in space. Um, once again, they might not be as surprising, but it was good to once again put numbers on them. The first source of radiation is actually coming from the galaxy itself. So the Milky Way galaxy has a lot of energetic processes going on out in far. Um, and the cosmic rays, as we call them, the cos- high energy cosmic particles just travel through the galaxy and they're just hitting Earth as well, but our atmosphere protects us. So that was one source of radiation that it was able to find. And then the second, of course, is the high energy particles coming from the sun through its travel. So these were some of the big highlights of what Curiosity found. And getting this sort of understanding of the different components of the radiation is super important for designing our protections. There are some types of radiation which you can stop with a piece of paper Mm -hmm. And and so those would be relatively easy to manage, but other ones will go through meters of lead without even thinking about it. Absolutely. And you got to be real careful with those ones. (laughs) Those are the hardest, uh, the most scary ones for sure. Yeah. Um, While after being, and I think this is the last thing, um, because I guess we're running out of time, right, Connor? Um, Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, it was while landing on Mars, it was able to sort of study long-term variations in radiation. As you just said a while ago, Connor, that Mars does not have as strong an atmosphere. So the high energy particles from the galaxy and from the sun can just come in. And so where it landed, Curiosity 
which is a place called the Gall Creator Crater, um, it was able to study long-term variations of radiation to really to really understand how what kind of year humans should get while they're on Mars as well, not only just in space. All right. Well, I think that is all the time we have for today. We've covered some pretty incredible rovers, Spirit, Opportunity, and Curiosity. They've really sort of led the way, made some exciting discoveries that hint at a quite vibrant past geology of Mars that probably had different types of water moving around in lakes and rivers. And as Curiosity found, probably for over a million years. Mm -hmm. So next up, we are going to talk about the Perseverance rover in the next episode and see where Perseverance is sort of is going to build on this understanding that that has come so far. With that, I think we'll end the episode and see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Queen's Observatory's Fast Radio Burst. We hope you enjoyed this walk through the universe. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us via email at queensuobservatory at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Queen's University Observatory to stay up to date. If you like this podcast, you can help us by leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. This will help us become more visible and spread the wonders of the universe to more people. That is all from us. We'll be back again with another exciting topic in astronomy.